Welcome to Formula Recruiting Podcast 2.5. I'm John. With me is Jason. Hello. And Mike. Watcha. Uh, we are three Watford fans, lifelong Watford fans, season ticket holders in the Rooker End, and these podcasts are our take on life as a Watford fan and what a life it has been recently, both on and off the pitch. We are actually uh, sat in the East Stand recording this uh, after Watford 2, Bristol City 2, and we've got a chat about the whole month worth of Watford games to chat about ever since we last talked at the Brighton and Hove Albion game. Uh, we've also talked about uh, off-field activities. Mike, how are you feeling about off-field things? Well, things have moved on, haven't they, pace, and I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm beside, I'm, I'm at my wits' end. Okay. Can we get the man a stiff whiskey before oh, yeah, we start yeah, this? I, I think they haven't moved on the pace, and I think that's the problem. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll get to that, we'll get to that. We've also got our interview with Rene Gill-Martin. And also, we'll be uh, we're talking about 100 Objects. Jason, are you excited about 100 Objects? I'm very excited about 100 Objects. What in particular is exciting about 100 Objects? What is exciting? We have a, 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 a fan's legend <laughs> yeah. talking to us yeah. about... Uh... Well, we put in something, a very, th- a very large thing made of metal, an animal, yep. and something you could buy in the baker's. And something that's actually beautiful to look at, very, and something that's very, very special. And very it historic. Is, yeah, absolutely. Very historic. Uh, so there's plenty to come in this podcast. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Now, some of you may have downloaded our extra podcast we've done this month. A few weeks back, we met at the pub with uh, with Frank Smith from the Watford Observer, and we talked about Lawrence Bassini and uh, all the fallout that happened from the fans forum uh, here at Vicarage Road. He didn't turn up because he was ill. Yep. And things were said, and him and Graham Taylor fell out very publicly. If you want the full breakdown on that, you can download the podcast still uh, at uh, iTunes. On that podcast, and in the previous podcast, we, we gave out our five simple questions, our five simple questions that we would like Lawrence Bassini to answer. Jason, what are those questions? Those questions are, number one, why did you decide to invest in football? Number two, why Watford? Number three, as owner, what will represent a successful tenure? Number four is what are your plans for the stadium redevelopment and the timescale for completion? And number five, where is the money for bond repayments, stadium redevelopments and future player purchases going to come from? Let's not forget subsidiary question number six. What is the point of Zatan Ibrahimovic? (laughs) (laughs) Answer still welcome on that one. Um, they are five questions. They're, they aren't hard questions. They aren't personal questions. They aren't questions that we've designed to, to slip him up. They're questions for us as Watford fans to get to know Lawrence a little bit better and find out about his dreams for the football club. Now, we finish an extra podcast knowing that he was about to take part in a few days' time in a fan's phone-in on BBC Three Counties. A replacement for the, for the forum. fans' forum, basically, yeah. That didn't happen because he was still ill. Next time, apparently, we'll be able to hear from Lawrence will be in the new year. A bit of, a, a bit of extra condense here as well. He, he's backed out of other meetings as well with the, with the Watford Supporters Trust. Let's not forget mm. that. Also, a bit of context, he was at the ground for the Portsmouth game, which was the game immediately before Four, the... Yeah. Um, before the uh, before the phone-in. That was on the Saturday. phone-in was due on the Tuesday. A piece went up on the club website on Monday, reminding people... About the, about the phone in, how to get involved, explicitly saying, you know, this is the way to get involved. You know, a clearer advert that this thing was going to, head, going to go ahead could not be, you know, could not be dreamed up. So, four o'clock. to put it in context... Mm. Three, three, four o'clock before the... Tuesday. Mm. Due to have start seven o'clock um, phone-in, um, we were told that he was still too ill to take part in the phone-in. Jason, is there a new way for Watford fans to describe how let down we're feeling at the moment? Do you know, when I first heard that he'd cancelled the uh, the phone in, it almost went beyond 
feeling let down, my first reaction was, how stupid must this guy be? Is it, is it not blindingly obvious to, to, to us all that he, surely he knew that he was going to get such bad press and such stick from the fans by pulling out at such late, late notice for, Again. for well, I think a second this, time in a fortnight. I think this is the I point, mean, What is he thinking? I think this is the point, and I think this is, the, this is why, at this stage, I'm, I'm the most troubled I've been since this whole saga started unfolding. And I think by pulling out of that one with, let's be clear this time, an absolutely hopeless excuse, it barely even qualifies as an excuse. All right, the fans for me might have been ill. You know, we spoke to Frank. We know he's not tip-top. Um, but to pull out at this late stage again when there's a wealth of other opportunities available, get the, get the phone in, you know, sit at home, do it at the phone. You know, let's be clear, this is an absolutely unacceptable excuse. I don't think he expects anyone to swallow it. I think what it shows is complete lack of disregard for what the fans think. That may sound a bit extreme, but I think he, by doing that, Jason, the no sane man, could underestimate, especially after what had happened with Graham Taylor um, after the fans forum, no sane man who knew anything about this football club or anything about football as a whole would do something like that if they cared about their supporter base. They would do all they could to answer the questions. You know, like John said, they're not difficult questions. They're straightforward. If you're in charge of a business, they are questions that you should be able to answer. If he can't answer them, if he's not prepared to, he either doesn't care about the fans or he can't answer them for some other reason. So both of them are quite scary. You know, it <laughs> different may, reasons. It, we've said this before. We've been very, very moderate. I think as a as a group of fans, we've we've been very, very careful yeah. to take everything at face value. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. He might be, you know, he might be plotting us to, you know, plotting a course to European Championship glory, whatever. You know, <laughs> he might be. Yes. We just don't know. But but what hope is there for a club whose owner? Show so little regard for the fans. We, at the end of the day, you know, there was twelve. We've we've just finished the Bristol City game. Twelve thousand here tonight. A lot of them from Bristol City. It was ten pounds tonight. Mm. That's not a big crowd for a, for a, for a cheap offer. It doesn't take much for supporters to start drifting away from football clubs. There's more. There's other things out there these days. I've got a young family. Um, mm-hmm. Jason's got a... his plastering to do. <laughs> I'm buying a house. You know, there's other things out there to take our money. The club's gates are dropping this year as it is. And if if there's a, if there's a, if there's someone at the helm of the football club who can't even be bothered, and let's let's be clear, that's what it is. Mm he can't be bothered to front up and talk to the fans, mm. then what hope is there? Why should we continue to come through the turnstiles <coughs> well, here when he can't even answer a couple of uh, questions over the phone? Football is about... Uh, f- football fans, it's all about investment. It's investment of your time, your passion, your emotions and your money. And we are very quickly getting the stage of the season. We are now about to enter the second half of the season where... You start thinking, will I invest another year's worth of money in my season ticket? Yep. And I think that's the thing he needs to make sure he combats. Because if he doesn't get that, and he's no, we're not getting people through the door with on just ten pounds, then we ain't going to get anyone through this door, and there ain't going to be money to run a club that doesn't have any money. It shows. A, it shows a, at best a, mis- a lack of understanding of, of the footballing <clears throat> world um, to think that he can. Uh, you know, he owns the football club, lock, stock, and two. And you know, going to say two smoking barrels. Let's <laughs> <laughs> hope not. Brilliant. Field. I can't go home and watch that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he owns the football club, so you know, let's be. He can, he can do what he wants with it. But to think that he can just buy the football club, then pull down the shutters. Football does not work like that. 
it absolutely does not work like that. Football fans need a bit of something. They need, you know, like like you said, John, and you can probably tell from my voice, we try to stay impartial yeah. and we try to stay moderate and we try to get to see the bigger picture. But at the end of the day, the reason we come out on a freezing cold Tuesday night, the reason lots of you travel, you know, up to Doncaster, up to Middlesbrough, when the game's on the telly, for heaven's sake, the reason we do that is because we care and we invest not only financially but emotionally as well. And for someone who's in charge of a football club not to recognise that is, you know, unbelievable. And you, what, go on, I, I was going to say, you, you think it, it it wouldn't take much if he if he's saying he's too ill to take part in a in a live phoning, then why not a Twitter Q&A session or just, just give Something. the fans an opportunity to submit some questions and then answer them online. What, 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 would, what would be enough? What is, what is stopping it? Oh. Would it just be one event? Would it just be a few questions obviously there's the danger that he could cherry pick the questions and at least it gives us some information that's... yeah we, I mean we've come up with these five questions that, yeah, that, that that's all we need answer we're not being demanding uh, we're not sort of, like say getting personal or anything there's sort of five simple basic questions that should be easy to answer uh, especially the first two Go on, what are all five questions again Jason what are four, five? Well, first why did you decide to invest in football and why Watford which are two he, he, he should have had the answers to even before mm. he, he put down that 400 and whatever it was thousand pounds mm. to buy the club so they should be answered very easily. The other three, as owner, what will represent a successful tenure? What are your plans for the stadium redevelopment and the timescale for completion? And where is the money for bond repayments, stadium redevelopments and future player purchases going to come from? Before we came on there, John, Jason and I, we discussed, you know, how much how much time do we actually want to give to this subject? Because it feels like we're talking about it a lot. A lot, yeah. And, and we are, but, the, but the, and it may well be that some of you are getting a little bit bored of, of that, and, and I apologise if that's the case, but I cannot stress strongly enough yeah. that we must, as a group of fans, um, as individuals, as Watford Football Club supporters, we have a responsibility to try and find out what's going on and to, to make this guy a- accountable. Again, we're not being aggressive. Talk to us. There is no hope for someone who cannot talk to a bunch of fans. I think the most important thing that we can tell how passionate you feel about this, Mike, is the the slightly higher tone that your voice had for the last ten minutes. (laughs) But you're right. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. It is now. It's gone on for a little bit too many extra stages where it is actually now worrying. I and both you and I'm putting words in your mouth, guys. So apologies, apologies for that. But I would love to be proved. You know, I'd love to be yes, proved yes, to yes, come yes, out absolutely. and say, "Look, what were you, what were you worried about? You blithering oaf." <laughs> You know, if we uh, if, if answer all the questions right, Mike, I'm going to make you a T-shirt. Yeah, well, I'd be happy, <laughs> absolutely happy to to, to apologise to anyone I've offended, apologise to him if he thinks I've been unfair. I would love to be proved wrong, but come on, you know this is football. He needs to understand it. We need to understand him, and, and things start need to start happening soon. Because I'll tell you now, I'm seriously considering not coming back. I'm finding it hard to come to this football club because it breaks my heart to think that you know to think that things are going wrong. Until I find out otherwise, there will be serious decisions made whether, whether I plough my money and emotional investment back into this club. The questions are still there, and they are still unanswered. From the rookery end! We were just about to leave um, Vicarage Road after the Bristol City game, and we bumped into a Watford legend. Um, we bumped into Ronnie Rosenthal. Ronnie, thanks very much for talking to us on From the Rookery End. First of all, what did you think of Watford this evening against Bristol City? Uh, to be honest, I was not disappointed. I mean, I think that Watford showed yeah. some 
good football, you know, at times. I mean, yes, they were not consistent the whole game, but still they had a very good momentum by leading 2-0, scoring two goals. And then that was, I feared a little bit that they will, you know, just to concede the goal that is unexpected, you know, from and, they, and it came, you know, but still second half, they, yeah, I mean, they did not start well. It was the 2-2, and then they had a very, very good spell, you know, for 15 minutes. They've done really well, but unfortunately they couldn't score. But, uh, I mean, to be honest, I-, I thought that it was OK. They've done OK overall. Do you get back to Vickery Drive often? <laughs> Not often, because, uh, yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> I mean, I've got so much going on. You know, my son is here, the academy, and uh, this year is the first time I come. But I, I try to come at least two, three times a year at uh, Watford. Last season I've been to a couple of games and before. But I still, of course, I, I follow and uh, I try to, yeah, be in touch, of course. But very fond memories for yourself. Obviously, you're, you're well, a hero for many of us Watford fans. You got us, uh, got us promoted back then. Um, one sort of favourite memory for you from your time at Watford? Yeah, you know, to have uh, two consecutive promotion, it's fantastic, you know, I mean the feeling is great, you know and I mean I will always remember the day we promoted to the Premier League at Wembley you know, I was not involved, I was uh, already, I mean I was injured and I was, you know, out of the picture, I was already my knee just uh, was gone by then, but uh, still to be involved in that uh, final, wow was, uh, but that wasn't was one game, that was two <clears throat> seasons worth, wasn't it, to get to that point? Yeah, it was two seasons. First season, first promotion was, you know, I always remember the first, when I signed, the day I signed, and uh, I was I saw today Graham Taylor, you know, and we, was, we didn't see each other for a long time. And I did not remind, because I had to remind him, and then when we negotiated the contract, uh, in the end I said, I want a big bonus if we go up. You know, he said, no problem. <laughs> you know, we, he said, no problem, which is fair enough, you know. Uh, and then we had agreed on a, on a bonus. And then uh, I said, yeah, but what about the bonus if we go to the Premier League? And he looked at me, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming from another planet. <laughs> I said, no, I mean it. You know, I want to go because I came from Tottenham. For me to drop sure, two sure. division was a bit uh, too much, you know, because it's not like, you know, you go from Premier League today, League One, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like two division. Uh, it's a huge drop, you know, but I, uh, I want to stay and I... I like the idea to stay at Watford. I was already 34, I think, so... And then uh, I said to him, wow... You know, bonus to go. Of course, we're happy to give you a bonus. <laughs> so, you know, that was a little story. So, in the end, of course, uh, I knew what I was talking about. Yeah. Fantastic. And was it just about signing for Watford, Ronnie? Was it Graham Taylor that persuaded you to come? Or was uh, it... Yes. You, we, I had a little walk here with Graham Taylor. And then he said to me, I want you to sign for the club, you know, and then he convinced me and <laughs> it was done. Yes, it was. Uh, I hope life is treating you well. Um, yes. at the moment, yeah? yeah. And thanks for all the memories. Thank you. <laughs> when you grab a match day programme, check out the From the Rookery End column. On pitch is, of course, supposedly the more important part of uh, being a football fan. And on pitch, it's been an all right month. We may have had a loss, but that was a loss that was stolen from us by a poor linesman decision. Linesman? Linesman. <laughs> it, linesman. Was, you know, it was so obvious. Was it, though? 
Oh, maybe it wasn't in the run of the game, but you look at the picture. You look at that picture that it was has been going offside. around. It was a yard offside. Do you know what? I'm going to surprise you a little bit here. Go on, then. I'm going to side on the side of the linesman. He's got a very hard job to he, no, he, I know, absolutely. And I know that when you think about it in terms of the game, but when you see that freeze-frame picture where he's really... There's yeah. proper air, there's proper air between him Irritating. and... The defender, it, yeah, it was irritating. We did get an absolute mullering in the first 20 minutes of that game. <coughs> we did. We, we, we could have been 3-0 well. down. Yeah. We lost at Middlesbrough. We won at home against um, uh, Portsmouth. We drew away at Doncaster. And we've drawn here tonight at home to Bristol City. Well, I think, that, I think the good thing is we've put some points on the board. I think those, mm-hmm. those, uh, those, those two wins that we that at the tail end of last, last month's podcast against Peterborough and Brighton were vital. And I think, you're right, we were unlucky against Middlesbrough. We weathered that early storm um, and sort of didn't create much to be to be honest but a tough place to go we would have taken a draw I think and possibly mm. deserved one but, but you're right I think that the style of play has come on a little bit um, uh, there was a lot of uh, dissenting voices earlier in the season that A we weren't getting the results and B we were playing poorly uh, and looking pretty ugly as well while doing it but I think there is a, since uh, Buabin came into the into the fold was it against Peterborough he made his, mm. his sort of his that, was the, <coughs> that was the first game where Eustace was injured yeah, so that's when yeah. the, the hog Buabin yeah. centre midfield and I think, and I think that's where Darcy got a little bit of luck perhaps because I don't think we'd know whether ordinarily he would have dropped uh, Super Johnny mm, uh, right. and you know yeah. his hand was forced and we got a bit of we got a bit of luck. <laughs> a lot of debate at, over the weekend about the Doncaster game away whether that w- was a good point. A lot of people pointed to the fact they're bottom of the league, but I mean, they think, I don't look, think at, you... look at their lineup, mate. I mean, <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> but that's my annoying thing about football fans, and it's not just what for fans. It's when you look, you say, well, they're bottom of the league. Yes, but look at form. They had played quite well, mm. and look at the fact that they've had about three or four Premier League quality players added to their squad. They've got a new manager. It, it, it's a bigger picture than where, where are they in the league? Yeah, and the, the clean sheet point away from home. Yeah, uh, tick. You know, look where we've win. come from. Look where we've come from as well. We'd, we'd lost what our last four away games before that, and Doncaster fans are probably looking at that fixture going into it, going, "Wow, we've got yeah, loads of new players. We've got a team that's lost four yeah. on the trot yeah. away from home. They're, they're not far ahead of us. This is a chance to get three points on the board, yeah. and, and we stopped them from doing that. So I think, I think if we can, get too can, downhearted by it. No, I agree. I think I was. I was. I mean, I must admit, I wasn't there. Um, uh, but I think I was pleased with the point. But I think if, he, if, like John says, if you take a step away from the season as a whole and look at it in, in its entirety, I think you know we had a poor start. There's no no denying that, and it's very very hard to turn those 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 streaks around. Like you know when we were winning last year, we were we steamrolled teams and you win because you got that mm. confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But likewise, it was a real sort of real tough turgid start to the year. It's, it's hard to shake that off. The crowd's down, player confidence levels are down. So to have turned it is gradual. You know we're, mm. by, we're by no means well beaters. I think we've got to be honest that we're going to be in a, a relegation battle for the foreseeable. Uh, but a lot of clubs are at this rate. Well, no, that's <laughs> right. going. There's nine of them. That's nine right, clubs like one point off the drop zone. Yeah, I agree. Um, but what it has been is a slow, sort of almost like a big tanker turning. Mm. You, you, don't, you do feel like there's that slight shift. There's a slight sort of, you know, the, the, everything's more upbeat and everything. We're not creating masses of chances, but having said that, we had Kitely playing tonight against Bristol City and he he really looked good. I think it's the first time I've really seen him look that, that extra mm. cut above everyone else, that so comfortable and confident on the ball. And I think... Players visibly sort of fed off that. Yeah, I think Yates had sort of some of the better better passages of play that we've seen from him. Perhaps he gets a little bit more space because of well, this, this the tension it. away uh, of, of, that goes on to yeah, uh, I Kyle. Agree. Um, uh, the, the, the 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 combinations, the the lineups are, you know, can be can change, have changed. Jason, do you have any favourable lineups and combinations across the pitch? I like the 
start 11 we had tonight to be honest I think that, that works well and, and what was key for me a, a statement that was made tonight was the fact that Eustace is now fit mm. came back in when Hoggle suspended Saturday and now he's back on the bench which goes to show he's, he's club captain no one seems to have a yeah. place guaranteed side but maybe he, he played on Saturday because Hogg was injured and he may be still yeah. not 100% there is well, that there is that he was, that, he was obviously going to come in on Saturday with mm. Hogg mm. suspended yes. yeah. um, so I think that was, always, that was always going to happen but I think Jace's point is a, is, a, is, a good, is a good one and it's something that, um, that that Sean Dice has mentioned you know that competition for places no one no one is that's a really good good, good place to be in especially when you know it's tight you don't you want players playing for their positions and to have some, to have the ability to drop, you know, a fan's favourite and someone who would ordinarily be first on the team sheet is, is good. I think, having said that, I think I think Buabin has been disappointing since his initial sort of uh, dropped off. Yeah, flurry. He certainly didn't get into the game against Bristol City tonight very much. Um, mm. I don't know how he got on uh, uh, at the weekend. Absolutely anonymous at, at, at Middlesbrough. Um, so I think yeah, he's got a little way to go. Showed some touches tonight, and I'm still, I'm still, I'm still there. Uh, would still you? Would you? Case. Would prints on the back of their shirt? Would you though prefer to have a Hog Eustace centre back, uh, centre midfield, Jason? Uh, you, you might have been closer to the mark the first time because if you had a, a Hog and um, Eustace centre midfield, I think it would be a bit too defensive for my liking. Mm. They'd be uh, they'd sort of almost forming the same role in the, in the middle, whereas we. With Hogg and Boab, and it does look more balanced. Now, I don't know if you remember, John, we went to the Barnet League Cup tie uh, a couple of yeah, seasons ago. Yes. I think it was one of Melky's first games, and yeah. I seem to remember Severin and Eustace playing. Oh, and they yes. were almost sitting on each other's feet. <laughs> yes. uh, and, and I just feel we'd have be in a similar situation if Hogg and Eustace were playing. So, yeah, I think uh, Mike's right. Boabin game did pass him by a bit today, a bit like. Uh, when he played earlier in the season, we saw him in a pre-season friendly, and I think he, he played the uh, came on the Bristol Rovers game. Yeah, um, didn't do anything. And it's sort of yeah, game passing by. I just feel that that sort of happened again tonight. I think, I think so, Hogg's been excellent. Oh, oh he's been absolutely, absolutely. Can believe the last home game, the Portsmouth game, he didn't get man of the match. Mm. Gave it to Kitely because he scored the goal. Yeah, but clearly was the best man on that pitch. And let's let's give you know let's give Sean Dyche credit for for signing. Mm. You know, mm. who'd heard of Jonathan Hogg out there? A few a few. You know, I hadn't heard of him, and no. I think he's—you know—he looks right at home in, that, in the centre of midfield. He works Absolutely. hard. He's sort of—he's like a better, younger version of uh, Andy Hessenthaler. Do you know what Richard, who sits next to me, yeah. said exactly the same thing what a tonight? Clever chap. <laughs> what a clever chap. <laughs> Just because he's short. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but, but, but the other thing I think we need to mention about the uh, about the, the, the month on, on the pitch is defensively. I can I just mention um, the other thing that Richard, who I sit next to, uh, pointed out. He calls him Hoggiester. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure my, I'm He'll link up where we yetters, I think, won't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, what, what a team we can make. Yeah, absolutely. Serious. <laughs> Serious. Uh, but yeah, de- de- defensively, I think we, I mean, ironically, we came into this podcast tonight. We, we obviously had a chat before before starting recording, and obviously with the, the defensive side of things was something that we were, we were quite pleased with. Tonight against Bristol City, we've gone and let in a soft goal at two one at two nil just before half time, mm. and then uh, the less said about the Bristol City's hmm. equaliser. An later. unforced error, I think we call in tennis. Apart from today's game, the game before that, three out of four clean sheets, and the four games before that we let in eleven. So yeah. we've had three games, three goals and five actually three goals in five games. Donny, Pompey, and Brighton no goals. Middlesbrough one, Peterborough two, and then Bristol City. Yeah, so, so five in six. So. Yeah. 
Not, not bad. Comparatively, I'm not yeah. saying it's an amazing, wow, how good that defence, but comparatively, but it's, it's mm. improving. The yeah. ship is turning. Yeah, which is hugely important. Yeah. Nosworthy looks like a great signing, and Mariapa looks a better player mm. for him being there, which is, which is a bit, again, you, so you, you think with Martin Taylor going at injured, you'd have thought, dun, dun, what are we going to do without him? But. but yeah, All of a sudden, he, good you know, find, good negotiation to get Mr. Nosworthy yeah, with his Premier League money to get a play for us. Amazing, and I still, we still, he had a fantastic game against Pompey. One, one tackle he did against Pompey, where he just came back. The guy was clearly on, and he just whoosh, swooped in past and took the ball out. Timing, mm, professional. He's, great he's really efficient. He doesn't do lots. Everything to get himself in a good position to play the ball. He's good. He's clearly. I mean, uh, I think he is an example of a hungry footballer. I mean, he's gone on record as saying, you know, he's worried. His contract's up at the end of end of this season, um, and you know, it's the first time in his career that he hasn't had next season sorted out. And yeah. I mean, it shouldn't really show in your in your play, should it? You should be giving your your, your best at all mm. times. But I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say that when he played for Sheffield United, he made his <laughs> debut for Sheffield United here at Vicarage Road, yeah. and by. Jingo, he was dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, it was, it was, just, was the whole Sheffield United team that day. They were and poor, so I they? was, I, you know, when we signed him, I thought, like, oh, goodness, is he really the answer? But again, credit to Sean Dyche, he's, um, he's seen something and he's brought him in and he's been, uh, he's been an instant hit. Mm. I, think, I feel like we haven't moved on, you know, in terms of what we talk about, what's, what's great about Wolfram, nothing's moved on massively since the uh, last, you know, we're mentioning the same players, we're still playing well, it's still good, but the tanker is slowly turning and has continued and it has continued to turn this November so he's looking for a good December playing games and I think we got alright Ipswich away who lost dreadfully the last couple of games Leeds who won t- tonight away at uh, they, they Forest are, that's a tough one that was Blackpool anything can happen and Boxing Day <laughs> don't be too, don't eat too much because hopefully we'll be cheering a lot of goals against yeah. Cardiff City. Oh. And as, as as supporters, this is you know this is a really important period of games for Watford. Mm. This is now you know when we're out of the, we're the other side of Christmas. Hang on, we want a good run of games. It's December. Who could we call to help us? <laughs> hmm, Jason, know anybody? No. <laughs> <laughs> Who? What? Christmas. Decorations? Fun. Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Jason, know anyone? Well, there's a little chap who's uh, sitting in my drawer at home somewhere. The lucky Christmas oh, snowman, Jason. Yeah. He's a lucky Christmas snowman. I think when he came uh, to yeah. the games last year. That was when our run started. Your so t- your time is now. <laughs> your time is now, Xavier. Your time is now. We'll, we'll uh, yeah, we'll bring him out for the Leeds game, I think. Quickly, Jason, quickly. <laughs> A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Here it is, a collection of historic and intriguing items that define Watford Football Club. Oh, it's Watford in 100 Objects. So when we started our search for 100 Objects that define Watford Football Club, we knew that we would get most of our items being suggested from 1977 onwards. It has been our most successful period uh, as a football club and pretty much everyone who supports Watford was alive during that period but wasn't alive in the late 18th century. It was the year I was born, 77. <laughs> was it? Draw, draw whatever conclusions <laughs> you want. Lucky charm. We, we, so we have to get some older objects that aren't just part of that period. And because there aren't many Watford fans from many, many years before, we, we had to find a man to give us some suggestions. And the man that came to mind is Mr Matt 
Rousen. Because Matt, you wrote a book called uh, Watford FC on this day, history, uh, facts and figures from every day of the year about the club. Yes, that's right. And um, so you start off looking for the important things and then you try and fill the gaps with interesting things and, and I'm a bit sad anyway so so these things tend to tend to lodge in lodge in the brain it was very difficult to be disciplined because the, it was an easy book to write in that you can you know with a spare half hour I can write about Tommy Smith's debut on on, on you know August or whatever it was 19 whatever it was or 20 whatever it was but the, the precious time was getting a getting a pass out to go to the library and I had to be so disciplined I had a list of dates and things to chase down and articles to look for and it's so easy to be distracted by by just 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 leafing figuratively through these through these old pages. It's wonderful. Yeah, we need some objects to put into our hundred objects list from you, Matt. So, firstly, what's this about a canary? Yes, this is um, November 1907, uh, away match uh, at Norwich, and, and Watford's then captain Alf Hitch. I'm sure that every every club at the time had a flag called Alf. Um, wasn't there a film wasn't uh, made of it recently with uh, Will Smith as the lead? <laughs> <laughs> possibly, possibly a different hitch. But, um, he acquired, and the, and the Watford Observer was was very um, cagey about about quite how he acquired this canary. But he acquired a canary on a trip to Norwich. Hang on, I'm not going to let you finish a sentence about a canary and shoehorning the word cagey in without <laughs> <laughs> putting you up. Well, try to sneak that one through without noticing, Mr. Oops. And Watford in the Southern League at the time had been on a bad run and, and following the, the acquisition of this canary, form turned around, we, were, we, were, we, we won a few games, we beat the league leaders, Plymouth 3-0 at home, and then the canary expired and, and of course Watford, Watford started losing again and, and the Watford Observer drew a very strong line between, between our fortunes and this, and this lucky canary, so I think that the canary is a strong candidate for your, for your list. So we did pin- we pinched the canary? We did, we, it would appear that we pinched the canary from Norwich. Birdnet, I like it. <laughs> Apparently, you were able to put a boat onto the list as well. Indeed, this is, e- this is even earlier. This is 19th century, so uh, March 1899, and the first passenger boat of the year across the Channel hits rocks and sinks. It's actually the worst maritime disaster, peacetime maritime disaster in the Channel until the Zibrugger disaster of the 1980s. 77 people died, but, but the, no- the nomination for, for, the, um, for your list is, is, the, is the first ship on the scene, the Vera, which was carrying Watford's reserve squad to play friendlies in Jersey. Now, quite why the Watford Reserve team in 1899 was playing reserve <laughs> games in Jersey in March is, is, is something else to ponder. But the, uh, the Watford Reserve squad was on this boat and they were commended for their actions in rescuing and, and helping out the survivors. Oh, um, so the Vera gets nominated as well. So the, the Vera. Can you imagine if your ship was sinking these days and you saw the Watford Reserves coming towards you now, you'd be like, oh, who's that bloke twirling his pants around? And somebody said, oh, it's Troy Deeney. <laughs> Well, we all know about Watford formerly having a dog track, but apparently you know of an event that happened where football, nor dogs, nor rugby happened on the pitch. It's actually a closed season event. Okay. In Evercruise Road by now, so I think this was 1927, uh, late 20s anyway, June 1927, and the Watford Motorcycle Club took on the West, West Bromwich MCC at Vicarage Road in a motorcycle football match, first of all, which Watford won 3-0, I'm pleased to report. Yeah, get it down the baggy. Uh, followed by a motorcycle gymkhana, which involved donuts being suspended from either crossbar, and uh, the competition involved cyclists from either club attempting to eat said donuts whilst mounted aboard their, their motorcycles. If you're wondering why the pitch is in such a state, yeah, it, may, <laughs> it may date back to 1927. Sounds like but, an early top gear meets an early uh, it's a knockout. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's uh, that, those donuts. I think are candidates for your list as well. So our final object of the month is 
is a special object for you from Watford's first ever game in Europe. Yes, indeed. Um, wow. The story here is... He has it with him. I've got it with me. Um, we emigrated to Germany in the early 80s, at the end of the 1982-83 season. So we missed the end of the season. We missed the game against Liverpool, oh. which Watford won to, to secure second place. We were in Germany for the UEFA Cup draw at the start of the following season. And I remember Dad quite recklessly saying that we would go to wherever the first game was. If it was a home game, we'd, get, we'd go back to Watford. Wherever it was, Bulgaria, Norway, you know, we, we would be there. Kaiserslautern was 40 miles away, um, <laughs> and that's less than I travel now for a home game. And so, so there we were, and this, is a, this, this probably won't come across very well in your recording, but this is a pennant from the game. It's quite an impressive, impressive um, piece yeah. of work, signed by none other than Luther Bissett, who was a Milan player at the time, and had obviously made the journey from Milan up to Kaiserslautern. And we're sitting in the Watford end eating an apple as, as, <laughs> as, a, as a wide-eyed ten-year-old pestered him for his autograph. Um, I, think, yeah, I think the phrase luck of the draw has never been more appropriate. <laughs> that's, absolutely. That's a wonderful. Yeah. We, we still after more of your sessions for the list. You can always email us suggestions that maybe they're personal to you, such as that, that item for, for Matt. Email us podcast at fromtherookeryend.com with any personal items. But if you can have a suggestion maybe... Of something maybe your granddad or your great granddad might have told you about Watford for really another historic item, then get in touch. Podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. Got something to send the boys? Then email podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. Vanegar Martin, a man who we've seen play in three Watford first team games this season. Uh, we saw him play away at Bristol Rovers, uh, Southampton away, and Millwall at home. He's one of those players, goalkeepers, must, you know, they don't get a lot of time in, in, in the squad. You want to see a little bit more of them, but you know they don't get substituted. You don't get substituted unless you get properly injured. He should be grateful he's not on the Neil Warnock side. But we got to catch up with him uh, a few uh, months ago, yeah, before he departed for Yeovil, but also before he'd played the Millwall and the Southampton game. Yeah. And what a lovely fella. He was, Mike. Absolutely terrific. What was, what was nice, what hopefully will come through with the interview, is that um, this is someone who enjoys their profession. He's just so happy to be a footballer, happy to be at Watford, and happy to spend some time with us, of course. Who wouldn't be? Well, who wouldn't be? And if, for example, a defensive error was caused and the goalkeeper may be blamed for such an incident, he would have the, the attitude and the approach to just get up the next day and get on with it. A podcast made by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. So your hands look so soft. <laughs> soft? Yeah. That's nice to know. This is actually how it says I've got nice hands. You've got a big gay start. You've got beautiful soft hands. But do you, ever, do you ever at the moment like when you're doing something you're like, oh, I, might, I might hurt my hands because it's, it's your it's the, you know, the way you make your money. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it probably shouldn't tell you, but I don't mind. You know, the small man syndrome when people get in place when you're in a pub or when you're out with people and they want to have a go at you, uh, they want to fight you, and you just kind of go, Listen, mate, fuck off, man. <laughs> you know what I mean, hands are worth more in your house. You're gonna, <laughs> you, know, you don't want to go there with them, but yeah, there is certain things like. My family, a lot of them are plasterers and labourers, and they'd say to you, you know, can you come and do a bit of work and you know, hand out when you're at home in summer? Because you know, a bit of work there, but at the same time, you need to be, you need to be careful. Yeah. You know, they'll work you into the ground, and you're, you need to be careful. So you've had your, you had your one game this year, Bristol Rovers. Yeah, disappointment in the last one, but um, you know, it's, it, I was very disappointed. It's, it's they're the games, you know, for squad players like myself um, to kind of show the gaff at what you can do and. And you look forward to them, you know, because you know you've got a game, you've got a chance to kind of shine and 
that's your moment along with the other lads you know there's other I'm not the only one there's a lot of lads in the squad who went there did well it's just you know bit of a nightmare um, still like you know you, you get over it but it was a disappointment on the night and you know you just have to crack on and just get back into training and get your head down again that's really all you can do isn't it? I'm a mad person in the perspective that it's a football match that we've lost um, a lot has happened in my life that's opened my eyes to perspective of people losing their lives and stuff and I know this is a deep conversation now but it's that's you know you have to put things into perspective sometimes you know it's a game of football you're after going out of a cup you know it's not the end of the world. Get your head down on a Monday morning and crack on. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, you come from, uh, came to us from Warsaw. Yes. Um, where were you before Warsaw? Sunday League in Dublin. Uh, I don't know, it was 17, 18, just kind of always plugging away at home. A um, few trials as a young lad and then just, you know, eventually uh, persistence kind of stuck, stuck with it. And uh, whilst all came up then when I was, you know, in 2005, I was just turning 18. And, you know, from there it was kind of delighted to get the, the move and kind of nearly catch-up time. Never had the kind of academy experience, a centre of excellence experience. And, um, you know, it's, just, you know, I'm one of these, I'm delighted to, to be a footballer and I'll never take it for granted. It's best job in the world, you know, Monday, Monday till Friday, you know, you're, be it that you're on the bench on Saturday, but you're always having a goal and a target to push on. But, it's, uh, you know, as an 18, yeah, that was where I was. Before Waltz, I was... Sunday League, Dublin football, schoolboy football, and then three months later, I play, played in Sky Sports. <laughs> <laughs> so, Scott is number one at the moment. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Don't be afraid. How? Um, why should I pick you instead of Scott? What, what's better? What, <laughs> oh, have you, what, have you got, what attributes have you got? Uh, I won't stick a knife in Louch's back here. Like it's just no, 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 the over, What I like to look at at, what, at Watford is. We are. We've got top keepers here. You know, all the way down into the U team. You've got uh, Jack Bonham, uh, and you've got Bondy. I mean, they, them boys. You know, as a young level, where I think and what, what age I was when they're they're top class. And then you come up into the pros. You got me and Lotion. I think us two. I, I, you know, we're confident lads. We we think we're the top level of the of the league. Be it that I'm on the bench, people probably haven't seen me much, uh, but the club know what I'm about, and you know the lads know what I'm about. Uh, you just, as again I say, persistence. You just need to keep your head down. There's no point in sulking. There's no point in getting, oh, why am I playing? Because you're just your performances drop. And there's, I've seen so many goalkeepers over the years. I mean, I'm in the game five years now, and at Walsall I was a number two for quite a long time. And it's just you just keep plugging away, keep working away, and just tell yourself, well, what else would you rather be doing? Do you know what I mean? So it's, do you yeah. have to set yourself a, a goal in your head to sort of keep going, or do you just go, no, I'm just no, going to keep going? Just, just no, it's just the way I work. It's, it's not. There's no goal, or I need to keep going, I need to keep um, motivating myself. You know, bounce out of bed every day, and you're coming in to play football every day. I mean, you can't forget that. You're coming in to play football every day, and that's your job, and you're getting paid to do that, and that's the best thing in the world. You know, be it that on a Saturday, you don't get your, you know, you don't play, but, you know, I feel the importance that I have in this squad. Um, you know, if Lochi goes down with an injury, or I keep pushing them and the gaffer might say, you know, there might be time for a change. I just need to be ready, and that's what it is. You know, there's no... I think I'm ready now. Um, I think I came here a little bit slower than the pace. You know, there's the step up, as always, from League One to Championship, and especially here at training. If any fan came here and watched us training, they'd be like, well... You know, and I think in comparison to a lot of places I've trained with the international stuff, this is like the highest tempo. So to, to adapt to that, and then since you know a couple of months in, I think I've just been ready just to kick on, and that's you know you have to keep yourself there. Then 
you know, keep yourself injury free, keep doing your stuff in the gym, keep working with Al, do, do as many little afternoon bits you can on your own. And then you get your awards. And, you know, as I say, Bristol Rovers, I felt ready and I felt like I did, I had, had an all right game. I felt sharp in the game and it's good to have that. You know, you get your 90 minutes and then possibly a reserve game this week, which are back down to that level. But still, 90 minutes, you have to keep on going. That's it. There's no, you know, you know, you don't say, oh, I need motivation from anywhere. It's just... We'll elevate you from goalkeeper to first team manager. You can hire, you can sign any goalkeeper in the world. Me? You sign. Mm. Yeah. I'll sign myself. It's <laughs> <laughs> an easy one. <laughs> it's the FA Cup semi final. Okay. The main goalkeeper, Scott Lowe, breaks his index finger. And I'm a manager. You then break your index finger. Okay. And you have to get another goalkeeper in. This happened in 1987 when Watford played the semi final against Tottenham. Okay. You have to get another goalkeeper in from another club. You have to get one from yeah, another club. Because you've done your finger, Scott's done his finger. Any club. Any club so in the world. And any goalkeeper. Yep. Someone wouldn't know. Someone you wouldn't know. Yeah. Well, just Darren, Darren Randolph at Motherwell. Okay. Irish goalkeeper. I've trained with him, respect him the way he works. Um, I think he, you know, he's been involved in the Irish setup a bit, a little bit lately and stuff, and it's good to see. And he's he's been up in Motherwell. He's played last season, and he'd be one who's match ready, game ready. Get him in. Cool. Uh, we win the semi final and get through to the final. But well, we did win the semi final, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. We didn't. No, no Tottenham beat us. <laughs> you know what I thought was quite interesting um, in the, in that interview, in amongst some, the other gems that he said, because it was all great. Obviously, thanks Reg no. for, for sparing your time. So, no, Mike. What was very interesting? <laughs> it was he, he mentioned the ball, and he said how 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 they have to focus so much on the ball these days because it moves around so much, and, and they're they're really aware of how how much it moves around and how you know how it's never true. Um, we've just watched Watford against Bristol City tonight. Absolutely. Um, and who was it? It's absolutely mullered one against the bar. Was it? Um, it was Yates, wasn't it? Yes. He's Yatesy, yeah, he's so absolutely Yatesy hit one, for a yeah. second goal. He's creamed one against the top of the bar from um, what must be 25 yards out, and it dipped right at the last minute. <laughs> it? it was just if you get a chance to see it on Sky Sports News, please, please do. But really, David James had no chance to know where that was going to go. And we, I mean, in, in the, up in the stands, we thought it was going over by oh. miles, but it just dipped at the last minute. And I thought it was really interesting that that Rene pointed out that as part of their actual oh. training, that's something that that these days is incorporated into modern training. You know, Gone are the days of you know running up hills with sacks of coal on your back for training. Now it's sort of modern, studying the sort of modern technology of how you, how footballs are made, how many panels are in in the football they're using that weekend. <laughs> and how it moves, you know. So that's that. City had a shot in the first half down the right. I presume a, a shot in the first half down the right hand side. I presume it was a, a dome, I think, and and we were right behind it. And the balls all over the place. The one where Lochi sort of punched it out for. That's right. Yes, corner. it did. It did move. As well. oh, you can't God. say you can't say a dome without saying one time Watford targets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but thanks to, to Reg, we're, we're hopefully we'll have another fantastic couple of interviews coming up, and hopefully we'll be spending Christmas with Mr. Sean Dyche. Read the musings and ramblings on the podcast blog at fromtherookeryend.com. Thanks for listening to the podcast as ever. Keep reading the blogs on fromtherookeryend.com and, of course, our match day page. In the match day programme. In the match day yeah. programme. Um, get in contact, Jace. How can people get in contact with us? Well, they can email us, John, and they can do that at podcast at fromtherookeryend.com or they can get to us on Twitter. I'm Rookery Mike. I'm Rookery John. And I'm Jace Bailey. And also on Facebook, of course. We are on Facebook, and that's on facebook.com forward slash rookeryend. Keep your system coming in for our Watford in 100 objects list. Yeah, you must have been inspired by Matt's, by Matt's ones in this episode. Absolutely true. Love the canary. 
Love yeah. the Canaries. I, I liked it because it was a bit naughty. We pitched it. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the two nice yeah, yeah. sometimes, aren't they? So it's good to have uh, done something a bit naughty. Thanks for listening, and we shall speak to you. And the next podcast will be out in the Christmas week. Get behind your team, ask questions, let's keep this club going in the right direction. We've all got responsibility, and let's just, let's just get to stick together and make sure that we move forward. Keep cheering them on, stick together. We're one big team, one big family. We need to make sure we, uh, we stick together. Come on, yours. Come on, yours.